What's going on, everyone? Welcome into another special edition of Final Whistle. As always, I'm your host, Blaine Spencer. Uh, I have the pleasure today uh, speaking with Cleveland Indians pitcher Shane McCarthy. Shane McCarthy, thanks for coming on and taking the time out of your day to speak with me and talk some baseball. Yeah, you got it, Blaine. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, Shane, we're going to start off with um, coming out of high school. You're a New Jersey product, Fairhaven, Rumson area. You ended up committing to Seton Hall University. Was playing close to home and having your support base around you a huge factor of why you decided to go with the Pirates for your decision? It was a big part of my decision. Um, I also knew the pitching coach, Phil Kinderi, really well and learned all about the coach Shepard and, you know, the huge tradition that the Shepard family had on Seton Hall baseball. So like you said, having my family close by, uh, playing a competitive schedule at Seton Hall, having the opportunity to develop and knowing the coaches already was, you know, a great package for me to get to Seton Hall for my freshman year. Yeah, absolutely. And then moving into your freshman year, Coach Shepard gave you the opportunity to play right away in 2015. And you played phenomenally. You had a 2.19 ERA as a freshman, uh, one of the best in the Big East Conference, if not in all of uh, in the NCAA. What was the importance of being able to play right away and the trust that Coach Shep put in you to go out there and play? Yeah, it was awesome to have all the coaches' support right away, like you said. You know, it made, made me feel like my decision to go to Seton Hall was the exact perfect one for me. And um, I really learned a lot from the upperclassmen while I was a freshman, you know, learning the ropes. Um, they always guided me in the right direction. And when it was my turn to kind of start leading as a young guy, as a freshman and a sophomore, like the next year, I knew exactly what I needed to do for the team, you know, for my own routine. And then just anything I could do to always help the team win. So I learned a lot from those upperclassmen. And I'm super happy Coach Shep, you know, like you said, gave me the opportunity to uh, do my thing pretty early on. How different was it going from being the young guy and then into your sophomore year being a, a true leader on that team? What was the impact of trying to make that transition from learning from everyone else and then becoming that guy as the leader? Yeah, so when you become that leader pretty early on, it's always a tough thing because you don't want to step on anyone's toes because you're still an underclassman. But, you know, since I was the Friday starter, um, on all the weekend series my sophomore year um, you know I was the number one starter so a lot of the leadership and responsibility was on my shoulders too along with those upperclassmen especially the senior leadership was always super important to our pitching staff so I would just try to connect with them and make sure everything with our staff was where it needed to be and um, we worked together really well as a team the upperclassmen and myself. Absolutely. And then being a day one starter, what was that like? Was having all that pressure to get out, get that weekend series off to a good note? What was the impact of that going out there as that game one started? Try and give your team a 1-0 lead going into Saturday and Sunday, potentially. Yeah, no doubt. Those weekend series were super important, especially during Big East play. And Coach Shep always packed our schedule in the beginning of the season. You know, we were playing UNC. Uh, University of Florida, Missouri. We went out to California, went out to Hawaii, playing all these really competitive programs. So we would get a taste of what ACC, SEC baseball was doing in the beginning of the season. And then pitching against those teams, I'm against their Friday night starters, which were mostly, you know, 
easy day one draft picks their junior year, like really established prospects. Uh, you learn a lot. You definitely learn that you need to bring your A game right from the get-go. And then just facing that really tough competition early on got you ready for when it was time to, you know, take on Creighton, St. John's, uh, Georgetown, the rest of the Big East. Did you always take it upon yourself when you're playing those major opponents in the ACC, the SEC, to take it upon yourself that, hey, I've got my own personal challenge going into that game when you're going against usually, again, as you mentioned, a day one prospect potentially in the, in the MLB draft? Yeah, it's always cool to, you know, obviously pitch really well for your team, give your team the best chance to win. But if you can do something for yourself too and perform really well while, you know, either scouts or just the competition between Friday night starter and Friday night starter is always a really fun one to go to battle for. 100%. And just picking back off of your sophomore year, you had you made history in Seton Hall history, Big East history. You ended up throwing a perfect game against LIU Brooklyn. And my, I think the biggest thing for me was that it was only, you only took 88 pitches. Just walk me through that morning, going into the game. How was your warm-up then going into the game? And then later on when it's getting closer and closer and you're like, wow, this is potentially a possibility going into those later innings. Yeah, a lot of people have asked, you know, were you feeling any different that day? But I really can't put a finger on anything that was super, super different. I remember feeling really uh, poised and just super in the zone during my pregame warm-up with my catcher down in the bullpen. So that's always a good sign. You know, when, you, when you're dialed in, you know you have a good opportunity to have a great start. I did have my best stuff in you know, my fastball and slider. I was able to put it right where I needed to. And then uh, working really well with my catcher and my pitching coach throughout the whole outing. Um, I didn't get to one three ball count. So it was either me filling up the strike zone or they were swinging really early. So I think that's kind of what contributed to the low pitch count. I got a lot of weak contact and then I was able to get like eight strikeouts or so. So a good balance of both. And then um, my favorite part of the whole thing is that the last out is a drop third strike where uh, my catcher, Mike, Mike Alessio, needed to throw down to first base. And uh, the ball kind of kicked off to the first base dugout side. And uh, he had to go get it, you know, stay composed and make a good throw. And he hit uh, Mikael Moogs right in the chest. So that's what sealed the deal. That's phenomenal. I, I mean, teams usually go through different areas. For you personally, when, when you're in a zone, do you, have, do you go up and have your teammates – usually come up to you or you do you go into your own little area in the dugout just to like keep your mindset locked in because I know especially in circumstances like that you don't want people always say about the jinx of going into the later innings of people going in and having those different situations what was that like for you yeah I think I definitely follow the normal kind of like everyone does that baseball superstition you know, try to avoid the jinx at all costs. Uh, funny story is Coach Shep's youngest son, he was a young guy at the time. Mm-hmm. I know and he well. was kind of outside the dugout. And, um, you know, nobody was talking to me. And uh, he just came up to me and was like, dude, you're doing great. Like, awesome. Like, keep it going. Like, I don't even think you've let up a hit or something like that. And oh, everyone no. looked, looked, looked down at him and was like, no, no. So... <laughs> You know, it didn't end up jinxing me, thank goodness, but it was just funny to have that little memory of uh, little Patty Shep, you know, coming up yeah. and keeping me hyped up for my outing. It was a lot of fun. That's phenomenal, honestly, because 
everyone yeah because you just said it you're just you turn you're like oh no it's over for me at that moment you're like i thought i had history in my hands and you were able to still take yeah so i fought fought through the jinx but uh yeah it was awesome my family was there even some extended family that just came out for like the random day uh, to come watch me throw and they like they picked a good night so it was definitely a good one that's an awesome story that you had everyone there just it just happened to be by chance and you ended up making history it's phenomenal is does that go down as probably your best pitching performance in your in your career without a question sure yeah no doubt and i hope i can match it or get something close that'll mean mean the most to me in my pro career but uh no doubt in college that was my my best outing some of my best memories too absolutely and can you just talk about Coach Shep for a second? I know I've got, gotten to know him well working in the athletic department the past couple of years. You know him very well as well. We both know each other very well through the athletic department too. Just, just tell me who is Coach Shepard to you and just go, go just dig upon that. Yeah, Coach Shep is an amazing coach. You know, his father, uh, Mike Shepard, you know, absolute Seton Hall legend. He uh, was definitely, he was the coach before Coach Shep, so he learned all of his tricks, all of his, you know, knowledge of coaching and leadership from him. And, um, you know, he plays a huge role in the development of the Seton Hall baseball players and kind of just the tradition that we always hold on to. Uh, Coach Shep, like you said, you know, gave me an opportunity really early in my college career, so he wasn't afraid to play freshman or underclassmen over an upperclassman if they were getting the job done. So I really always appreciated that about him. And uh, he would come to every single one of our morning lifts at five in the morning, you know, living 35, 40 minutes away. Like he was all in on being a Seton Hall pirate and especially being a part of our really important and close knit team. So, you know, he was always there for you. I remember great memories of just going to talk to him in the office, you know, not even always just player to coach, but just man to man too. And, you know, he's always like a father figure to those who want him to be. And uh, definitely made the right choice going to Seton Hall and getting to play for Coach Shep. Absolutely. And I, I, I know personally those 5 a.m. morning lists because I had to be in the building by 6 to make sure everything was going all right. Yeah. <laughs> I remember those well. Um, but let's transition to your junior year. You ended up getting drafted in the 18th round by the St. Louis Cardinals. And then you ended up actually deciding to go back to school for your senior season. What was, what was the ultimate factor of ending up coming back to come back to school? Yeah, so there's a, definitely a pretty interesting story about my junior year. I was just coming off playing a summer in the Cape Cod League where I did really well. You know, I was an all-star. So I was getting a lot of attention from scouts and I think it really got to me too. This I wasn't, I wasn't ready for all that attention, all that extra pressure at the time. And uh, you know, I had all three teams like wanting to take meetings, and I was filling out all this paperwork for everybody. They were really taking a deep dive, trying to get to know me. And uh, I think it impacted my performance. Just that level of pressure. Like I said, I really wasn't ready for it. And um, so I didn't have the best junior season. And like you said, I got drafted in the 18th round, where Maybe people thought I would have been drafted higher, but um, so my performance wasn't as great and um, definitely struggled at some times, even got out of the rotation a couple times. So, you know, not what everyone would think Shane McCarthy would be doing, but, you know, it happens to everybody. Yeah. So uh, what ended up happening was I got drafted by the Cardinals. I was excited. You know, I was ready to sign. I was definitely going to 
pursue going to play for the Cardinals. And then I went down to one of their affiliates in Tennessee. And before you sign your contract, they always have a like a physical beforehand just to make sure you're really healthy and everything uh, is right. Everything's where it's supposed to be. And what happened was I ended up failing my physical because I had a loose body, like this little small piece of bone floating around in my right elbow. And um, they wouldn't sign me regardless. Like they wouldn't have the surgery and sign me regardless. So I guess they missed out. You know, I got to miss out on it. But uh, I, was, I was totally planning on becoming a Cardinal and starting my career. And then when they kind of said, hey, we're not going to sign you, like I was crushed. And yeah. I, uh, I just went, they sent me back home from there. They said, hey, we know you still have senior year eligibility. So we don't want to, you know, mess it up to where you can't even go back for your senior year. So they uh, sent me back. I was going to be, a, I was like a pro pro pitcher with the Cardinals for like two days, kind of. And then, wow. so I went back to Seton Hall, had as good of a senior year as I could. And then so happy to be with the Indians now because they're an amazing organization. Yeah, so just tell me more about what was what was the actual injury that you had to have with the bone? Did you have, I know you said you had to have a surgery. How yeah. what was the whole issue and the whole recovery process with that? Yeah, so that what that kind of looked like was I got to head back home around June. Um I started seeing some doctors just to make sure everything was okay. I uh, ended up going to the Mets surgeon who I've worked with in the past and the up the surgery was pretty much like that board game operation where you have to just take something out. And so it was super simple. Mm -hmm. Um, They said, you know, the little loose body was just about like this big. And so they just took it out. And then I did a bunch of physical therapy, got back to full strength and was able to kind of finish up that fall season of my senior year and then get ready for a full spring ahead. So definitely was a whole mix of emotions, but I believe everything happens for a reason, you know, regardless of if it's good or bad. So I'm super happy to be with the Indians now because the way they develop pitchers are like no other organization. And I've definitely been able to reap the benefits of working with the staff and the coaches. So it's been great. That's phenomenal. So was it just a loose uh, calcium piece that was in your elbow or was it coming? Yeah, like a little, they called it like a a loose body. So like a little piece of the bone in my elbow is kind of just floating around in there. Hmm. And that's very interesting. I've never heard of that. Yeah. You know what? Something like that would happen from kind of overuse and just throwing it, throwing a lot of innings, a lot of volume. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely something that I did, you know, at Seton Hall. I threw over 300 300 innings innings, in years. So um, all that kind of adds up over time. And um can't say I could have avoided it in any way. You know, mm-hmm. I did pitch a lot my sophomore year and then a full summer season. So maybe I could have taken a couple innings off that workload. But, you know, I didn't know any better at the time. And I was just trying to be the best pitcher I could be for the Seton Hall. And uh, now as a pro, you know, I have a totally different mindset because I'm trying to be the best teammate, trying to help the Indians win. But I'm also trying to get to the big leagues. So, you know, you just have a different mindset as a pro versus trying to win for your college team. Absolutely. And then being drafted by the Indians in, after your senior season, was it that much sweeter after a little bit of, like, redemption, would you say? And then was it, was it more fulfilling that you were able to get drafted again, especially going through everything with your junior season at, with the Cardinals and the, 
surgery and then the rehab? Yeah, so after getting healthy and having a pretty solid senior year, you know, we made it to the Big East final and the Big East tournament. So that was super cool just to get to that opportunity. Um, it's a great all, game that day too. Yeah, yeah. We all, all my whole staff, like we all did great. It was just the, you know, St. John's had an ace that they were kind of holding on to. And then we just ran out of arms because mm -hmm. we had to play from the loser's bracket to get into that final game. So we were playing extra games that, uh, you know, the other teams had a buy for. And um, just getting to that point, you know, the team hadn't been there ever since I was there and probably a couple of years before too. So we always made it to the tournament, but sometimes we went 0-2 and, and got bounced early. But uh, it was good just to get to that final game. Kind of puts – we got – we had the opportunity to win. You know, the game just didn't go our way, but we did get there, and I'm super proud of that. I know my other teammates are too. Um, but then after that, you know, I was – I was remember telling my teammates, I'm like, hey, I really hope this isn't my last, like, baseball game. Like, because I, I believe I have, like, a pro career ahead of me. And I'm um, super lucky that the Indians, you know, believed in me. Um, and then I'm super happy that they drafted me. And now I couldn't see myself with any other organization. You know, I remember hearing about how great the Cardinals were, but I just can't imagine them being better than what I have right now with the Indians. It's like, it's a really unreal experience. I've learned a ton, you know, probably more than I learned in college and high school combined just in three years with the Indians. And uh, they do such a good job developing young pitchers and just trying to follow suit. And, you know, I look up to those guys like Shane Bieber and Zach Plesak, Aaron Savali, who are all um, young pitchers on our major league staff. So just trying to be like them. That's phenomenal. What has that development process been like for you now being a professional pitcher in the minor leagues within the Cleveland Indians organization? Right. So when you're a minor leaguer, it's really all about development. So the winning and the losing isn't as important as it is in college because, you know, if your affiliate team has a losing season or it doesn't really matter, like what really matters is for those individual players, like reaching their developmental goals. And that was something hard for me because I was always the guy in the beginning who was like, no, we got to win all these games. Like, you know, don't take me out. Like, let me do this. Let me do that. And um, I had to learn, like, hey, that's not how it goes anymore. Like, we really need to just focus on these goals that the organization thinks are going to help me become a major league pitcher and uh, just really dial in on those. So once I bought into that new mindset of just really focusing on my development, you know, everything's been pretty smooth and I've uh, been seeing some improvement each year. So everything's been going pretty well. That's awesome. Can you just – I, I mean, I don't know this how you would know this better than me. What's the process of being assigned and going from potentially different teams in, within the minor league system? What is that like? Is it completely yeah, so, is it still the same goals or is it, is it still different? Is it still yeah, the, goal, the goals definitely follow you unless you've, you know, reached them and you, have a, you can have, add another goal to kind of your development. But the goals definitely follow you from each level. You know, I can't say exactly what the decision makers, how they make all the decisions, but definitely the guys that are performing, you know, getting out, throwing hard, striking guys out, uh, weak contact, um, all those things that we that the organization looks for. You know, those are the guys that are going to be continue to be invested in, continue to move up the ladder and um, just having a mix of those things, you know, always keeps you in conversation of getting those promotions like you asked.
Absolutely. And, and then what's the competition level like, especially jumping from college now to the minor leagues with everyone now trying to pursue their dream of being able to be a major league ball player? What is, what's the difference in like that? How's it going? Yeah, for sure. So I think in college, uh, depending on who you were playing, you know, the bottom of the lineup was definitely different from the top of the lineup in terms of skill and just experience level. But now in the in pro ball, there's really no easy outs. Like, especially as you climb up levels, I found that going from rookie ball to low A, which were where I was last year, you just get away with less mistakes. So if I leave a fastball right over the middle, you know, it's going to get whacked where in the lower levels, like rookie ball, maybe it gets fouled off or gets fouled back. But as you just climb and climb and climb, those margin for error and those little mistakes that you might get away with the lower levels you know you start seeing them go over the fence so that's what we want to try to avoid as much as we can understandably so you always want to eliminate the the dinger the home runs no doubt so i mean i know it's a little hard to talk about but with covid minor league baseball was canceled this past year so what was the impact for you personally and then the impact of potentially like of your growth and how, how did the Cleveland Indians handle it for you guys, especially as well? Yeah. So like first and foremost, a lot of people on social media I saw were saying, Hey, you know, all these minor leaguers since the season was canceled, like they lost a year of their development. So I tried to take that and just totally switch it around and flip it on its head. And I really tried to make this past season, you know, still make all the progress that I would have made at an affiliate. So I was, uh, you know, sticking to a pretty, pretty uh, routine training, um, a lot of lifting, you know, getting all my throwing in, just connecting with people that are around in this area to throw live at bats to them, like simulating games. And I uh, was able to work closely with the uh, Indians coaches too. We would do Zoom calls, you know, three, four times a week. Um, always going over video, going over different things, always learning some stuff. We called it remote coaching and um, just really trying to continue that development process uh, where I know other teams with like other friends that I have who play for other organizations, they didn't really do so much of those Zoom calls. They didn't really have the, the staff reaching out as often as the Indians were. So that's how I know I'm in a good spot because um, you know the Indians really have – all their fuel in their organization is from development. You know, we're not a team with a huge, huge spending, um, kind of like the Yankees, Dodgers, other teams that you'll hear about. You know, we really develop from within. So they really double down and put a lot of resources into the minor league development. And, uh, you know, I could see that throughout the whole year. I'm always talking to my pitching coaches, some of the other coordinators, you know, strength coaches, medical staff, everybody was always in contact. And then that kind of led me to getting invited to instructional league uh, at the end of October and all throughout November. And that was just a group of 55 guys. So, you know, we have a lot of minor leaguers and then getting invited to that uh, definitely made all that work that I put in throughout the whole year worth it. And uh, that was at our spring training site in Goodyear, Arizona. So familiar place and just good to be back competing. Uh, We were able to do a lot of scrimmages with the Cincinnati Reds that are right down the road. So we had we got some game like, uh, like a game like environment that I didn't have the whole summer. So just really good to feel good to put some cleats and some baseball pants back on and go compete and uh, continue to improve and develop. 
And just did it, I'm assuming just being able to, it helped you focus more on what you were working on and see what the growth was like, especially through from year two to year three, right? Oh yeah, for sure. And the Indians do such a good job of, you know, really gathering a lot of data and making everything objective. So you see, like you see the numbers growing, you see, you know, faster fastballs, you see you lifting more weights. Like it's really easy to see the progress that you're making and you don't have to question yourself and say, Hey, am I really, am I improving or, you know, what's going on? But they do such a good job of laying out, Hey, this is where you're at right now. This is where we'd like you to be. This is how we're going to get there. So they do a really good job of, you know, always pushing us and keeping us motivated towards our development. That's phenomenal. And just my last question is, what, what was your main focal point throughout this for this upcoming season? What was the biggest thing that you wanted to improve on going into hopefully into spring training this season? Right. So going into spring training, uh, all I wanted to do was really stay healthy and have a full healthy season, you know, 140 games or whatever a full season is these days. Because last the year before I was out for two months, so I was really focusing on trying to have a full healthy season, you know, not missing a start. And then once, you know, this season kind of got shut down and I wasn't going to play a full season, I really tried to get back to some of my development goals, you know, putting some muscle on in the weight room and then uh, always, you know, working on my mechanics, just trying to be as efficient as I can with my movements. So uh, all that kind of led into me getting invited to Instructs and then I was able to show the team and the rest of the staff kind of what I was working on the whole year and I did pretty well. So I was super happy to get out there for that. That's phenomenal. And then for 2021, what, where do you want to be? Uh, where does Shane McCarthy want to be at the end of 2021? This past year, I was kind of slated to go to the high A affiliate. So I was going to get the promotion, you know, move up the next run. And uh, so 2021, I'm not sure if I'll, if I'll start in high A or, you know, potentially get to double A at some point. You know, that'll be my goal. Just continue to work on my development goals, you know, stick to my routine, stay healthy. And then, you know, wherever I can be getting closer to the big leagues, you know, that's all that matters. Just trying to, like I said, stay healthy, great routines, and, you know, hopefully get to the Akron Rubber Ducks and double A would be a great goal for 21. That's awesome. Shane, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your day to talk to me. It's been great seeing you again. It's been a little while. I'm glad everything's going well with you and good luck the rest of the way uh, going into 2021 and hopefully everything works out for you. Thank you again for coming on Final Whistle. Oh yeah, thanks Blaine, really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun to join you on the podcast. Thank you. Hope everything's good with you too. Have a good holiday. Thank you, you as well. That's it, That's it for uh, this special edition of Final Whistle with uh, Cleveland Indians pitcher Shane McCarthy. As I'm gonna say to him, have a happy holidays and. Check us out. You know, Tuesdays and Fridays is where we usually drop our main episodes. So look out for us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Have a great day, everyone.